I'll just drop your video, bro. Just here with the lads. We're just about to go live. Um, but yeah, Brent Simpson, Jaden Hoskins. Um, yeah, if if possible, as I said, if not, respect that too. So big ups, and um, yeah, just drop us a message. We'll get back to you after the show. Thank you. Are you done? The fuck <laughs> <laughs> like, we're trying to do our podcast here and he's trying to do Instagram I'm stories. I'm trying to fucking get tickets to VIP to go to Chillin' Cut him off. This is, our, podcast. this is our really long intro song that goes for really long. Hey, listen, Jane, you got a pop plant. He's I, hopefully getting a I, ticket I, to a concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's us. And I got the pop plant. Yeah, the pop plant. Yeah. I just wanted I to say thank you. End of the deal here. Yeah. Uh, Jaden. Yes, Joshin. We still have a one-minute intro. Yeah. We, we didn't do something about it. We'll turn that down for a sec while no. we've got the intro coming We've had in. all week. Uh, Done nothing. Yeah, we had a lot of changes we promised we would make last week. We haven't made a single change. We were supposed to have, what were we supposed to have? A new intro song? New oh, intro song. Oh, change the dial buttons. Change the dial buttons. We've still got the same mic ready. <laughs> oh, we need to turn that up. Oh, no, Your what? headphones still look incredible. My headphones still sticking out three metres wide. Looking and we like, still uh, yet to get one more pop filter on this mic. We haven't done anything this last week. We've done nothing. This podcast is still the same. And, uh, yeah. Unreal. I do kind of like it though. It is kind of cool. It's kinda catching like on. It. It's catching on, I think. I think it. we're probably going to end up just keeping this intro song forever. Yeah, I know. I'm sort of getting attached to it now. It's like if I... If it's hard it, to let go. Yeah, it is hard to get to. Yeah. We are in white hoodies. We've Again. We've up the white hoodies. White hoodies, yeah. I feel or like white jacket. This is also becoming a thing. I feel like I wouldn't be able to do another podcast now without a white hoodie. I would definitely be able to. I am... Sweating so hard right now. Oh my god, this is the last thing I want to be wearing. It is I don't know why like, I chose the I don't know, thickest jacket. I've I don't had. know what happened during the week either, but it looks like one of us dead set got a pay rise because this thing's looking tidy, man. <laughs> I'm over here with a Coach King Stussy hoodie, and this one looks like it's from Louis Vuitton or something. Can I just add it felt like a vegan jacket? It probably is. I actually don't know. It was just the only one on sale. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Other changes. We have zero producer Jai this week. No producer Jai this week. He's uh, decided to go earn money. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> kind of sad, really. He realised, yeah. you know, I blame crypto. Crypto is down this week. Yeah, it's tanked. Everyone's feeling broke. Everyone's trying to make money now. We also need to make money so we can get a producer back. Our producer is not here this week. He's no. decided to just... Up and out. Episode three is up and out. So we've got intern Tamar here. Intern Tamar's here. Interns are free. So <laughs> Intern Tamar. So it's good to have a free... Uh, actually, we weren't paying Jai anyway. No, we weren't paying Jai. No. So this is our double free uh, internship. Oh. <laughs> Guys, we're desperate for sponsors now. We need sponsors. This is definitely no sponsors here. Yeah, get them off the table. No, I'm going to drink them. No, yeah, sweet. Leave them on. <laughs> no beers this week. Actually, oh, I've, got a, I've got a vodka. Yeah, look... I think it's becoming a thing. Joshin's um, using this podcast as an excuse for Heffrey's alcoholic behaviour. I'm not trying to hide that at all. Yeah. <laughs> Every day it's like... My weekends it? have gone to babysitting. This is, my, this is my weekend time right now. But see, for me, it's a Monday. I've just come off a big weekend. So Monday's my time to relax and be me, you know? Your excuse, I'm going to the gym this afternoon. I'm like, what does that mean? I need to train. This so is everyone is. else. That doesn't stop them from drinking on a Monday. Actually, it does. It does. It? Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> Into and Tema, welcome to the show, mate. <laughs> I hope that picked him up. Oh, yeah. And uh, speaking of welcome to the show, we do also have a guest here today. His name is Brent Simmons. Simo. Get it fucking right, Simpson. Oh, he's just, I was about to cut you off there. I was like, hang on a second. He hasn't done his study. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> but Brent, these, are, these are what make the best show. 
Well, uh, yeah, it is. That's like on his birth certificate as Simpson. I kind of prefer Simmons. Well, I don't. That's like yeah. Gene Simmons and my tongue's a lot shorter. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine what you could do with that man's tongue. Jaden, I might get you to introduce our guest then. Yeah, okay, um, let's start that again. And uh, this week on the show, we have one of my good friends, uh, Brent Simpson. Thank you very much, gentlemen. It's an absolute honour. Oh, yeah, wankers. <laughs> <laughs> Usually everyone gets an applause when I gave Brent the, uh, the odd fuck off. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, well, anyway, look, back to the show. It was a good time and uh, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> Cut it off there, done. No, I'm excited for this episode. Uh, Brent is... An ex-bikie who has reformed, is it called reformed life? Reformed your life? Yeah, I wouldn't say reformed, I think. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. What do you say? I just changed my ways. I found you a better way. Ways, yeah. I didn't see the light. I created the light, yep. I think. I think that's the best way of putting it. Um, reformed. That's, a, that's just a tough word. I don't, you know, I'm still me. Yeah. I just chose better ways to live. Chose a better way to live. And uh, you've, you've got quite a story. We only met on Friday. And, uh, yeah, we had a bit of a chat then. And it got me excited for this podcast, actually. It's, um, you've got quite a story to tell. And these days you're running your own podcast. You, uh, I am. What else are you doing? You, you, Mate, you've got I, a lot of talking I do, points. I do, I do, I do. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, a, I'm just a Joe Blow that drives trucks for a living. Um, I also am the father of uh, four children, one who's an adult now, he's a sound engineer, but three amazing young people. Um, I run a podcast, The Clink. The Clink Podcast. Stories of Redemption, uh, one of Australia's top podcasts. It is an audio-based podcast on all platforms. Yep. Um, Soon to be taken over by this podcast. Mate, you guys, <laughs> I, I, look, we're in different <laughs> genres. Yeah, so nah. It's all good. You, you, you guys can run to the top and I'll help you go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, besides that, yeah, I, I um, also work with survivors of institutional abuse for an organisation called The Voice of a Survivor and about to launch into the uh, health and wealth. I call it wealth from the health, but um, CBD, yeah, the wonderful oil that we use in uh, everyday life now. He's a busy man. And also, I hear today he's also become a content creator. You went out and tried to film your first video today. Mate, <laughs> it was a, it was no, a funny let's taunted. put it in perspective, right? Now, my <laughs> wife's probably going to see this and shoot me, but I, it was almost like being a teenager again, walking up to a chick on the beach and saying, geez, you're cute. <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. like would, you, would you like to just come and have a drink? <laughs> and then I felt like, <laughs> honestly, I felt like an absolute dickhead. Here I am walking up in the pub and G'day, have you heard about CBD? And they're like, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially the surfers. How were the surfers? Oh, they were the biggest. De- like these blokes, these blokes were very healthy and very fit looking. One actually looked like he was, you know, a total stoner. And I, I sort of looked and we looked at each other and just went, thumbs up, we're on here. This is a go. Um, they were the only three people to go, no, mate, sorry. No, no, no. And, and like, was fuck, a- mate, I'm not trying to sell you an ounce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just want to ask you about oil. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was like the, the, the guys, they're obviously surfing down Burley, 9 a.m. on a Monday, probably don't have much to do today and not really working on their jobs. And like there was this one dude who was just strolling through. As soon as we come up to him, he, he had every, all the time in the world. As soon as Brent goes up to him, this dude just jumped on rollerblades, eh? He took he off up the road. Gone. He was gone. He Where did so, he get his And he didn't look back, mate. He was, <laughs> it, was, it was off. But then we had some, you know, like some genuine interaction with some amazing people. And when, when you say amazing, when you're talking in public about, you know, a son that you have that's on the spectrum for autism and you use CBD to be able to better his life, um, a gentleman who had melanoma, mm. um, was also arthritic. 
uh, another, you know, older sort of person, uh, a couple. There was a couple of people that really shared a, a wonderful experience and some great knowledge that just didn't want to have their faces on camera, which you got to respect that anyway, you yeah. know. But what I was surprised with was I would have thought the younger people would be the ones who were keen to sort of get on and have their say, but they were no. the ones who just did not want to bar of it. And these older, older families and people, they were all for it, which is, I don't know, something that I wouldn't think would happen. You know it was, what you should make a video of? You are just getting denied how, how it is to try film a social media video. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? And, that would be really funny. That would be – and we did we did talk about that and I actually said that. Remember when we were yeah. sitting there and I said, why don't we just film it? But then we looked at each other and thought it could bite us in the ass because, as you well know, you can't just go into public and start putting people all over the internet, especially if they don't want to be on the internet. Don't mm. um, <laughs> <laughs> so ask Justin about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we don't we don't have a budget just yet, so definitely not one for Neither more. Neither does this podcast, but we still make it work. Okay? Yeah, guys, we desperately need some uh, sponsors around here. Yeah, uh, we are giving free advertising to Vodka Soda and today. Not so much. Mon- yeah, we'll get it to Monster as well, guys. The non-official sponsors for today. Yeah, uh, but we do have a. Okay. <laughs> I was just dying over here. I was trying did not to do it. Did you just flick one over the back? No, no. I was trying to. Like, I was needed to cough, and I didn't want to do it in front of everyone. So but I you didn't. You 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 did. Just you like coughed on my like ear, snotted over the back oh, of the no, chair. Oh no, that was no, he's put me on show here. There was no snot coming out of the nose. It was just a little sneaky cough. <laughs> oh. I could do it in front of the mic, but people at home might get a little bit scared. It looked like it precipitated all over the back of your chair. I still need a <laughs> sort of half cough now, but I'm too scared to because <laughs> everyone's looking. <laughs> no, so content creator, how do you think it went? Do you think it'll come well, out all right? My, to be honest with you, it was my first experience, and and you know, having sort of um, like you said, met you last week, and and working on a project together. Um, you know, you've been around, you know what you're doing. So it was very, very good. I walked away with a lot of um, positive sort of thought in reference to how I can better uh, what I want to achieve. And Jaden being, you know, great with what he does, um, we went out there and we just – I hope that we got what we needed to get. I believe we did. And, and the content was, was really organic, mm. you know, and that's what I think both of us really discussed was the fact that how people – can be really open to the conversation of CBD. Others just totally have no fucking idea. And then you've got people that just sort of, like we had a lovely couple that come up, which no doubt will, you know, purchase from the site or what have you. But admittedly they were like, no, no, we don't know. And then she looked at him and they just stopped. Like they actually stopped. It was like, why are you stopping and what what do you know? Like, do you want to have a chat? And they were like, no, 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 no. Yeah, she goes, he, he uses it. Yeah, she's, she full threw him under the bar, so. And I said, oh, right, so you do use it. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he didn't know what to say. But they had a, they had a great conversation with us. They just didn't want yeah. it to film. So. What about the, um, what about the lady who was standing there and she was sort oh. of, yeah. <laughs> the lady who was sort of standing there and, and Brent's, we were looking around and he's, I might have asked her. She was only like probably 10 feet away from us, not even. Excuse me, uh, you ever heard of CBD? Full gave us a cold shoulder. I looked at us like, what are these two guys doing? And anyway, she walked off and we're filming. And then her, who we thought was her boyfriend at the time, but yeah. this guy walked past, turns out knows Simo. So they both turn around and he comes up, hey, Brad, how are you? And Next then so he's jumped in front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this lady standing there awkward, I've just given these guys the cold shoulder and now I've got to go and make friends yeah, with them. That's crazy. That <laughs> was actually quite funny. She, was, she didn't know what to say really because she obviously thought, you know, what are two, two blokes sort of trying to ask this woman, you know, like 
it's a bit weird. Um, then boyfriend comes through and yeah. Like and here's the second part to that story, which also makes it even funny. So we thought it was the boyfriend at the time. Turns out it was their first date. <laughs> They'd never met before because she was a, was a coffee date, yeah, wasn't she, it? She was a little bit awkward. She's like, oh, I, I don't know this guy. I've just met him on a coffee date. <laughs> I was like, wow, good start, good no, start. Uh, look, <laughs> hey, listen, you're talking to the king of the kooks. <laughs> oh, oh, let's oh, talk about the oh, king yeah. of the kooks. No. But there's so much more before the king of the kooks. There is a lot. Should we? No, cut? we're cutting straight to the king of the kooks. Yeah, we need the king of the kooks, and then we can cut ah. back to what we What we're is talking. the story? You, <laughs> you on, I am an influencer now. You were on king of the kooks. I was, I was last week. Kook of the day. Kook no, of the day. Kook, yeah, king of the kooks. Kook of the, day. of the day. The official Kook of the Day Mate, Instagram look, page. I'm 132 kilo, man at six <laughs> foot one. That when I take off on a way, <laughs> you want to be the fuck out of my way. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to end up on top of you. <laughs> this footage I'd not seen in years. Anyway, long and short of it all, um, the person that had it was a, is a film photographer, surf photographer, and just so happened to put up a snippet. Of it, and I got tagged in it, and this is last week. I'm going, what the fuck's this? <laughs> Long and short of it all, here I am at Snapper, pumping Snapper. <laughs> Some dude on a longboard, it's about four boards. Some dude on the longboard just comes shooting, dodging all these people and ducking. And, <laughs> and he's gotten through all these speed umps, and you're just going, wow, man. And he's just gone all this effort, and he's this big fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> just paddling. <laughs> 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 Next minute you see me pop up, the whitewash is hit, the wobbles are on, <laughs> his board comes underneath me and kaboom off the top ropes, I cannonballed him. That was the voiceover too on the cooker there, I was like, watch out, watch out, watch out. <laughs> mate, this poor bastard, I wrapped and I twisted and I took him ball and all and ripped him. Mate, I got chewed for it and it was so good. <laughs> all you suckers out there, go fuck yourselves, don't drop in on a fat cunt when he's coming on his back end. <laughs> He was on the wave well before you were. He had the right of way. But in saying that, to my defence, to my defence, right, and, and you will understand this if you're a fat fuck and you're out there trying to surf with a bunch of skinny little fucking surfers that you know are going to snake you every time you go for the wave. Mate, I paddled for so many waves that day. I was exhausted. He was pumping snapper. And the worst part you of it smell all... smell the snitties. Mate, I just wanted to get in and have a pie. And I really struggled because every time I went to get inside, someone snaked me. So I thought, fuck this, I'm going to paddle a little bit wider. And I made a promise to myself that I was going no matter what. The set came through and made, I fucking went. And we I made the kook footage. of the day from it. Yeah, my claim to fame. We've got to play the footage. We've got to play yeah. the footage. I'm not going to lie. It looks like you just straight up tried to jump on the dude though. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say I was a little bit pissed off at the situation out of Snapper that day. And, and you know, rightfully so. <laughs> Who the fuck comes out to snapper when it's pumping and there's 50,000 people out there on a fucking 12-foot board? Like, piss off. <laughs> I had a six-foot-six board. I just wanted to have a little bit of the weight. Is that too much to ask for? Like, come on. Oh, and after our experience this morning with surfers, I don't know if – you're not the biggest fan of surfers at the moment. I love surfing. And I'm very good friends with a lot of surfers. You know, my brother-in-law is Jay Phillips. Uh, big Jay – Rock on, dude. Um, yeah, but no, and, and, you know, I've been around surfers. I, I'm good friends with a lot of the pros and I have a lot of respect for them. I just, I get sick of being the fattest fuck out there riding on my backhand and everyone thinks they can just fucking fade me, snake me and go around me. Like, seriously, go fuck yourself. <laughs> we need to get a close-up of his Wait, head. Come here, you haven't seen it, eh? Look at you. You full jumped straight oh, on him. He, ja he jams his dude, honestly. He walks up with plank and he tries to pump and I'm like, fuck you, cunt. <laughs> that was a full-on jump. <laughs> he deliberately jumped straight into me, mate. 
<laughs> you could have just, just fallen off the board. You literally <laughs> leapt onto him. I got him. Do you reckon that dude would have been that pissed off? He would have got like, fuck this guy, and then looked who it was and been like, yeah, nah, it's all sweet. Yeah, there, was no, there, was, there was no, oh, let's go inside. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what happened after that trip? <laughs> I, I still don't know. I just turned around and fucking went and paddled for another one. <laughs> the dude would have looked up and been so pissed off and then said it was and be like, yeah, nah. It's, <laughs> I, I you I'll catch go. your waves, boy. <laughs> I, honest to God, it, like it was so many years ago and when the footage come up, I was like, where the fuck did that come from? And then all of a sudden I had this vision of I remember this day. Isn't it like crazy? You can do something and not ever fucking remember it. Oh, so and that's a common occurrence. The, that's just a regular day out. Well, that's standard at Snapper. That's, that's standard at Snapper. <laughs> that, that's me at Snapper. If yeah. you come to D-Bar, I'm a little bit more, I don't know, I guess understanding. With <laughs> we can split the peak a little. But, um, at, at, yeah, no, it's Snapper, mate. It's, um, it's directly one way, right. And that's the only way you can go. There's no left and right. Mm. And when you've got fucking... You know, hundreds of people on the inside. You know you're not getting one of the waves. Well, you I just fucking like go wide and take what you want. Um, let, we will uh, rewind a little bit back into your life. Just give um, the viewers a bit of an insight of, of, uh, of who you are and uh, how you've come to be where you are today. So, Yeah, okay. So for me and for those that don't know my story, it's been out there public now for quite some time. Um, there's been a lot, of, a lot of documentaries done in media um, through different networks and channels and audio platforms but I, um, I was a young boy that was uh, sexually abused, physically abused from a very young age um, that basically was on the streets from the age of 10, broken home in the western suburbs of Sydney, predominantly an indigenous community. So you know, I'm, I'm a white fella but grew up in a black fella sort of community um, and you know it, it can be very different and it, it was. So I, I had a gift. I was a, a good footballer and I, I reckon that's what kept me alive for a lot of years. Um, but with that came a lot of, lot of troubled times too. Um, there was a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of crime. It, it just became a normal way of life. Uh, I didn't have the support, the parenting, the protection, the family home and all that sort of stuff. So for me it became, um, you know, the streets and the streets were what it was. Um, definitely had to learn the hard way. Uh, you know, had to sort of, I guess, um, pay my dues, if you will, and, and, you know, got flogged a few times and, you know, got robbed for my shoes and, you know, as it was back then, it just, uh, it's how it was. But then you get to a point where you sort of get sick of that sort of stuff and you either survive or you don't survive. And I survived and I survived right through now at 45. I'm still surviving. Mm. Might not survive walking out this door. Anybody could take you out of car, but I'm doing all right right now. Yeah. How did, um, how did your life evolve from Sydney to then the Gold Coast? Where did that come into it? All right, so let's put this in perspective. I know, I'm, here, I'm here to be here. I'm an open book. So I, um, I was living in the western suburbs of Sydney. I was born originally in Manly and from DY and then um, went out to the Housing Commission um, in very early 80s in the western suburbs, which was, like I said, predominantly, you know, an Indigenous community realistically in that part of where I was. The whole sort of thing of leaving there was... I'd been in a lot of trouble and the coppers knew me and I, I was just constantly hammered by them. And I, I had bad attitude, man. I didn't care, you know what I mean? Like it was just us against them sort of thing. I was sitting at a poker machine, uh, the Western Sobers Leagues Club, and a detective who was off duty sat next to me and started abusing me. And um, I didn't take too lightly to it and I picked up a barstool and just basically batted him with it. So obviously I've um, attacked in their eyes an off-duty copper I was going to get well and truly hung for it. 
Um, I was already on drug charges and stuff like that. So I um, back then you could flip the switch, so to speak, and um, you could create a birth certificate and change a licence and your name and what have you. And, yeah, I decided to run for Queensland. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. That's so I, is your um, name actually Brent Simmons? Well, it is legally. Oh, it seems. So <laughs> <laughs> is it not? Come on. It, 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 it is. Yeah, one, one, one. That was well done. Yeah, give, him a, give him an applause for that yeah. one. <laughs> so, um, no, my birth name was Brent Allchorn, which is, um, you know, obviously different to Simpson. But yeah, legally they both changed and they're both stuck. And now I'm known by both of them. So. The coppers pull me up or I go through a passport check and they go, oh, yeah, red flag, you're known as this and that. And yeah. But, yeah, so that, that put me uh, in the state of Queensland, which I just was like, this is great. You know, a kid from Western Suburbs of Sydney, I was loving it. I was serving, but I brought, I brought all my old habits up here with me and, you know, straight back into how I could make the most money. And How old were you at this time? Uh, my son was just not long born and I, I, the, the biggest thing for me was he's 22 now. Um, uh, so what are we talking, 23, 22, 23, I'm 45, yeah. Is that right? Oh, yeah. We're not any, good at maths on this show, but... <laughs> moving right along. That's why we do a podcast, hey, so we don't have a job. Hey, Suri. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically I uh, come up here with a lot of old Sydney habits. Um, you know, we, we were notorious back in the day. We were what they called the original banky boys. We were running up jumping over bank counters before they had shutters, you know, pulling up the front and 928S Carreras and Porsches and just launching. Um, we were, you know, we were the first to sort of do the big ram raids down there and the ATMs and, yeah, we were, we were a full-on crew. So we made a name for ourselves very, very easily down there and, and back in those days, um, you know, we were classed as what they called searches or we just made a lot of fucking money. Uh, it was an era where heroin was a big thing. And, you know, I didn't use heroin. I got caught up in the amphetamines and ecstasy back then because coke wasn't really spoken about in the younger generation. It was more, you know, for the rich people. Yeah. And it just become a way of life. I don't know. I just sort of looked at it and went, well, everyone's taking it. I don't want to take it. And why are they going to give him money when they can give me money? So it all just started from there. And, and it sort of dragged, as I said, it came up with me when I moved up to Queensland, that whole mentality of, just get up here, I knew what I could do and knew where my connections were. And mm. Queensland at that stage was about 10, 15 years behind the eight ball. Mm. And then that ended with, uh, with some prison time, is that right? Yeah, I mean, look, there was a lot of years in between. Um, I was a part of an outlaw motorcycle club, an international club um, for many years, which was, was good and bad. I, I've, I, I loved it because I was always around it. Even in Sydney before I left, I was involved, you know, and I, the, the brotherhood was definitely there and it was the family that I never had. Yeah. Um, and life was a lot different, you know. We were having good times. We, could got, we got away with a lot. Did you find that a lot of people that had a similar sort of upbringing to you, was it a very – Look, I think, I think definitely um, from the point of view of, you know, the way that we sort of seen life, we were the one percenters, you know, we were the society's scum or shit, you know, that, that basically had dramas and no one else wanted it. It was just a bunch of what were mates, brothers that came together and we locked in tight. Mm. Um, you know, it, it was something that I, I'm grateful for. I am, you know, like I don't regret it. And, um, you know, I think it's a lot different today, but I'm not going to sit here and, you know, say any negatives about anything because it's different generation. However they do things, they do it. Yeah. 
but in my time, it was um, it was good. We had a lot of a lot of good memories, you know. Um, you know, riding bikes around the country with a pack of blokes, you know, just uh, forget everything else that you hear in the media. Just that camaraderie, that brotherhood, you know. When you're riding from here to Adelaide or here to Melbourne, you know, and Sydney or up to Cairns, um, you're riding, you know, you're picking up your chapters along the way, and next minute you got 100, 200 bikes just bang, you know, and you're sitting up in the front of the pack. It's it's a, it's a pretty solid feeling. So. Yeah. That was good. And uh, you say you're a person who's changed your ways. When do you think that point was and what, what made you? What, what, was there a clicking point where yeah, you're like, you're look, not going to change? I, I did. In 2000 and, um, 2008, uh, I sort of started – I stepped away from my position in the club um, just purely for the fact that I uh, just – I couldn't conform, I guess, to certain things. There was a little bit of sort of um, – bit of riffraff that I didn't agree with. Long and short of it all, it was just how it was and it's what happened and, and you know, I left. Um, n- you know, it was no bad terms in respect. There was no no one giving up or no one, you know, n- nothing done wrong as such to anybody. It was just my choice, which was, you know, in some cases the boys didn't want that to happen and some, I suppose, were grateful. Yeah, That's just the way it is. Mm. Not everybody likes you no matter who you are and what, what sort of crew you're in. Mm. Uh, for me, not long after that, I was involved in importation and I, I obviously didn't obviously tell anybody about it. No one really knew what I was doing. But, um, yeah, it came undone. Uh, one of the imports just happened to get caught at customs of an inconsistency of how it came in to where it was packed and, yeah, I, I got arrested in a yeah. controlled delivery by a bunch of fucking ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> it, was pretty, it was pretty full on. And I think it was at this point as well, was your wife pregnant with one of your child- yeah, children? Yeah, so I, I'm... Well, we didn't really know that she was pregnant. I mean, she didn't know what I was doing, you know, and, and all of a sudden I'm here and I'm gone. Mm. Um, it was quite full on. It was, uh, it was May. It was the 5th of May, actually. 4th, 5th of May. 4th of May. I was arrested 5th of May. It rolled over into being midnight. Um, yeah, I'd left to go on to Sydney to a, to a certain place to where the shipping, and I mean, this is common knowledge, so I'm happy to discuss it, but. Yeah, it was uh, in an industrial area where there was no trees, no one around, nothing. It was just like a block and how these cars and ninjas came out, mate, with all their guns blazing, I still to this day have no idea. But I was arrested, uh, controlled delivery, and the federal police were like, oh, mate, we're going back to the federal police. I said, what for? And he said, well, you've got to make a stand. I said, I've got nothing to say. I said, what's your name? I said, well, you know my name. You've got me. That was it. That yeah. was it. They knew damn well that, you know, there was nothing more that it was coming out of my mouth. I was arrested. I was guilty, full stop. It wasn't until I got to the um, police station and I'd found out that my in-law's place, my home, like all simultaneous raids nationally. Oh, wow. So wow. it was pretty full on. The federal police did a good job that, that night. And, and uh, you know, they, they didn't obviously get anything anywhere else. It was just the fact that they believed that they'd caught a, a rather large fish when I wasn't a rather large fish at all and, you know, they got a few kilos. Um, I was looking at a 10-year sentence and I basically just put my hand up and ended up with six. And um, it was just before I was sentenced where my wife had realised um, she was pregnant and had sort of said, look, you know, we're having our second child and I was, I was sort of – it spun me out a lot because, I mean, you know, here I am looking at 10 years. Mm. Yeah, wow. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know which way to go. But that was the whack. That was the path I chose. And uh, with a six-year sentence, we got through it. And I sort of look at things today and I think it, it happened for a reason. I could have ended up dead. Mm. 
um, the life I was living was definitely, you know, on that fine line. Something goes wrong, you, I could have ended up dead. There's no two ways about it. Um, you know, the jail time was very, very hard. I don't think jail's uh, fun for anyone. I don't care what anyone says. Everybody's vulnerable. doesn't matter who you are. If you, you know, you, you tread on toes or you make mistakes or you've got skeletons, you, you, they'll get found out. Mm. Um, you know, and it just became one of those things where you just had to look forward to the end. Yeah. Mm. And rightfully so, I come out and um, had a goal to achieve something massive and, and do something really good that would show that, you know, I'd taken initiative. I had a lot to do with, you know, with being sexually abused and, and, you know, I was carrying a lot of anger. And I think the only way I can put it when I look back at it, I was a very violent man. And I think it was more that I was wearing a, cell, a set of colours. I, I also because of, you know, the camaraderie, the brotherhood and, and what I wanted. But when I look back now and I actually speak openly about who I am today and how I've gotten to where I think I was just a scared little boy suppressed with all this this fear of being harmed or hurt again. And I felt like I was strong and invincible when I knew that I had my colours. And I didn't, you know, I didn't need to have a team around me. I was happy to go one out. Um, but just knowing that, you know, I was a part of something stronger and bigger, I guess. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was... Uh, an interesting sort of part of my life where I realised that, you know, I'm either going to end up dead if I come out and continue with this um, or doing life in jail. And I didn't want either of them. I've got, you know, now three beautiful children. Well, yeah, I had that stage three. I've now got four, but had three beautiful children. And um, I think, uh, didn't you, so you cycled a fucking long way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't even know how here far. Here we go, here we go. The mammal. The mammal, yeah. The mammal. What the happened mammal, here? The 130 kilo mammal. <clears throat> What happened here? So I've lived with type 2 bipolar uh, for a very long time. I've um, gotten through um, suicidality. When I was younger, there was three major attempts and each of them in their right was extremely um, – not oh, I mean, it was silly, I suppose, at the time, but I wouldn't have said that then. Um, between, you know, being cut down and a gun jamming and um, ODing on pills and, you know, waking up days later. So they were solid attempts. Um, I'm glad that they didn't happen because I wouldn't have what I have in my life today. I wouldn't be here having this chat today either. And mm. I think that, you know, that's a, a real big thing um, in my life to be able to sit down and share my story and hope that it inspires somebody that there's a better way. Yeah. Um, I seen – I was in the Segro unit. I'd had a run-in with a screw and I'd hit a, what they call a pipper anyway. I got six months Segro. And in that time, a lot of blokes were doing it tough and two blokes had taken their lives. I knew nothing about it because I hadn't heard. Like, we just didn't know. Anyway, you don't see anyone in the Segro unit. You don't – you just don't – it's what it is. You get out in the yard and you can, you know, throw lines and have a chat through mirrors, but you don't physically see each other unless you're passing each other's door to the phone or there's something that you've got to go and see doctor or something for. The detectives came into my cell. They were doing it. It was fucking weird because we're going, we're getting raided. We thought we were getting raided and the squad was coming in, but they were D's from the outside. And they were coming and asking, oh, you know, did you hear anything? I hear what? You know, oh, did you hear, you know, any noise, any struggles? For We had no idea, but two blokes had taken their lives. That was really sort of the point where I just went, I've got to really either get a hold of my life before I come out of here. I had 12 months to go. Um, or I said, you know, that, that could well be me. So I decided to just really start to be accepting and go deep into who I am and what my childhood was about, what I'd gone through as a young person and why I was the way I was, 
I don't think I was a bad person. I don't, you know, I don't, wouldn't call myself a shit cunt or anything like that. But I probably, um, you know, wasn't the nicest person on a bad day. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to be that person anymore. So I, I really started to work on me really, really hard. Which led into the cycle then. Yeah, the cycle. Yeah, so in 2000, just read the back of my leg. Is it 16 or 17? <laughs> Oh, I've got to check his tattoo. <laughs> I think it's 2016 because 2009 I got pitched. 2016. Yeah, 2016. First of June. First of June to the 15th of July. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 15th of July. Yeah, it was two days before my 40th. Yeah, just double check this information. Uh, this is, oh, it's tattooed on my leg for everybody. It's true or what false. What are you doing under first the First of June, yeah. <laughs> first of June I kicked it off. 2016. Beautiful legs. Oh, mate, they're hot. <laughs> they're, they're, they're good, especially when I'm cycling. Um, I decided to, prior to that, obviously I had parole when I got out um, and parole was strict as they wouldn't let me move. I was literally living on a border town, very hard to get work. It was just, uh, they just wouldn't let me do jack shit. Um, so I had that for a couple of years and I, I sort of thought, fuck, I've got to do something. I've got to do something positive. And I thought, I love my cycling, so I need to get my mental health right. I need to stay healthy because I, you know, come out somewhat looking healthy and that, you know, and I, I just knew I would have blown out like I am now, fat. Um, and I needed to make that not happen. So I started cycling and I enjoyed cycling. <laughs> yeah, big tattooed 130 kilo bloke in Lycra comes screaming down your fucking road. <laughs> what, what made you Ooh, decide yeah. to do that? Because where did you go? So I wanted to do something that nobody had done before and the research that I'd done showed me that no one had cycled from Snapper Rocks on the Gold Coast across to Cottesloe Beach in Western wow. Australia, which is 4,564 kilometres. That's a huge... Massive. And it was a journey, let me tell you. I, um, I, I, I took off into a massive East Coast low, two weeks of just pelting rain and, and coldness. And By yourself or did you have I someone had one, driving? I had one guy follow me with a caravan and a car. Yeah. yeah, Justin Jansen, the legend, and how he did it at an average of 30 k's an hour with a oh. blinker going <laughs> clink, clink, oh. clink, clink. That would be clink. torture, huh? I, I still to this day, I cannot think how he did it, but I can't thank him enough. So if yeah. you're listening out there, Just, mate, thank you, buddy. I couldn't have done it without you. That's a, that's a good friend. Did you ever, none, did of you my, ever... none of my friends. Would you do that for me? Definitely not. No, no. way. I, I, wouldn't do, got, I wouldn't do it for you. Early pav on a Sunday is way more important than your cycling, <laughs> yeah, you, You've got your blinkers on non-stop <laughs> yeah. and girly Blink, 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 blink. But I didn't say that. If it's for a good cause, you know, you've got to do it. Just oh, with look. someone else, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but not with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I got over there and within two days um, I he hit a pothole, front flipped and come down and I ripped my knee open. In the first um, two days? Yeah, oh. and, and then that, that scar there on my elbow. Oh, wow, like we're talking Yeah, there's a big that. scar there. Yeah, so I fractured my elbow and I didn't tell anybody and I just knew in my heart that I just had to suck it up and move on because the, the whole point of the ride was to raise awareness for mental health and suicide. And all I kept thinking about is all the families that are left behind that have lost loved ones to suicide and that's who I was representing. Mm. You know, those that weren't strong enough to reach out. So to me, I trained for this event, you know, and the whole time I was on parole to execute it, all the planning, you know, my family, my children I said goodbye to only 48 hours before. It was pissing out, right? And all I could think about is I've just got to get there. Mm. Mm. And I did. So Justin got the, like the wire gauze out and we scraped all the gravel out of my knee and my fucking elbow. It was, it, wow. was, it was not fun. We got back on the bike. Could you move your arm the entire ride or were you it's, holding uh, look, there's the, I have got video footage which I, I can give to you. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the fee later. But um, 
Look, this <laughs> like podcast doesn't have a lot of cash. So. Sponsors, we uh, yeah, sponsors. Fucking just give me a vodka and you know I love these drinks. You give me a sip. Look, I'm on. You, just, just whack up, okay? Yeah, Fawzi, hit the boys up. Let's go. Oh, Fawzi, 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 Fawzi. <laughs> Cheers, boys. <laughs> you just can't beat that. Nah. That's pretty good, isn't it? Vodka and soda. Yeah, look, um, <laughs> I got stitched up. Can this... we get another vodka soda down here, please? I got stitched up with no drink. Uh, I oh, don't... you oh, don't even start. <laughs> I don't want one that's alcoholic, though, please. Uh, chai latte if there is one or – no. Soy milk, almond soy milk. Soy almond milk. Oh, let's speak about that. My, my coffee order. It's disgusting. My coffee. You know my coffee oh, order? It's... Fuck, your coffee order, dad. Come it on. Everybody... It's so embarrassing to be with it's... a coffee <laughs> Listen, well, the, this, this morning she goes, I got his, and I thought she's talking about me, and I laughed at him, and I said, oh, nah, she can't one, even work out what coffee you want. She goes, no, yours. And I said, mine's just a, just a straight long black. I think my coffee's becoming well-known around the coast. When I walk into places, everyone's like, this guy, this guy. <laughs> say say your coffee order. This is disgusting. Can I just please get a uh, – oh, I've actually <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah, you've just realised no. how shit it sounds. Can I just get a large iced uh, almond milk mocha, please, with an extra shot of coffee? With a twist of cute on the end of it. Oh. It's fucking unreal. It's a delicious. If oh, anyone, look at these. Oh, the, yeah. the watermelons. Oh, stop it. You're going to, this is going to stop. I'm not having one, something. but I'll. No, what do you mean? Have your soy milk, almond milk, mocha. I'll have my soy milk, coconut milk, almond milk. No, I, I think that. You've you got to be in it. We're a team, mate. We're in it. And, and look, we've got big things this week coming up as a team. So we start the week as a team. We're going to finish the week as a team. Yeah. We're on one each. Oh. Oh. Yeah, what are you going to say to me? Say how how that? can you deny that? What are you going to say? What are you no, no, say? fuck. How are you going to deny it? I don't want one, but I'm going to do it for the team. Uh, all right, all right. Well, are you going to cheers or what? Especially if we can get a, so especially if we can get a, a sponsorship out of vodka soda and the watermelon Look, is the I'm going to do this. Where are you, mate? Usually I've got, this, I've got this rule. As soon as the drop of alcohol touches my mouth, I'm not allowed to go to the gym for the rest of the day. You weren't going to the gym anyway. Oh, look, I was telling myself I was. You were going back to bed. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. Oh. We didn't you touch it. You can't drink it without touching it. There we go. Got there it. We got go. It. Now don't put it on the table. What do you mean? Just don't put it on the table after you cheers it. Why? It's bad luck. Well, you have to sit first. Yeah. But oh, then sorry, can, can, can you put it down after oh, you sit? Oh, you have to hold it up the whole time. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on here. Do we just down this? I'm stressed out now. Just, just, throw them, just, just get it in your system. How good is it, but Day two, I'd um, fractured my elbow, but I didn't know it. So then all of a sudden, I'd ridden 2,000 kilometres with a fractured elbow, and it was the second game in 2016 of State of Origin, and I pulled up at a little um, place called Sejuna just before the Nullarbor, literally the last hospital. And by sheer chance, um, that was a blessing because at midnight that night, I was in the most excruciating pain. I didn't even know it, didn't know what it was, but I had septicemia, which could kill you. My temperature went a up. Blood, that's a blood? It's, yeah, thing, it was a, it? in the blood. So because there were fragments that had been left in there, obviously from the, the uh, gravel and the bone fragment, uh, it had caused the infection within my blood. Yeah, wow. And it was, it was sheerly by chance that we were at Sejuna and um, long and short of it all, <clears throat> I got rushed to the hospital and, you know, pretty well for three days, every 30 minutes to an hour, I was getting injections. My body temperature was like I'd never felt it before. Yeah. And it was just the most excruciating pain. My elbow looked like my knee. It was red from my shoulder all the way down. And it was just travelling into my glands. Because and- you got to get on. I've had septicemia before as well. Yep. Mine, uh, I actually got – we used to have pet rats. 
Um, <laughs> wait, what? This is pet, on, pet wait, rat. better than pet gerbils. <laughs> Who the fuck has a pet rat? I'm going to turn you down that. <laughs> no, because in, um, in grade seven at primary school, they, um, they like bred rats. So you'd like... Um, oh, yeah, for science and shit. Yeah, yes, and um, then you got to keep them as... Yeah, I'm serious. No, then you got to keep them as pets. They don't do it in your what? generation because of Peter. Who's Peter? The vegan crew. Oh, the vegans, yeah. You're not allowed... Well, that's just... Well, that's, that's the facts. Yeah. No yeah. more rats. We got laptops instead. You yeah. did. Yeah. Anyway, we, uh, we had pet rats. And, and eshes. <laughs> <laughs> Nike TNs and stuff like that. And with pet <laughs> rats... I'm going to turn you guys down. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we had pet rats and um, some of our family friends also had <clears throat> pet rats. And uh, there was two males. So we had a male and a female, but uh, our family friend, they had a, another male one as well. And we didn't know this, but male rats, if they don't know each other, they don't usually get along. So, really? Yeah. So they, True. Um, and our family friends were on holidays um, and they left us with a pet rat. So we were looking after theirs for the week. And um, one night, uh, yeah, I was just on the couch, had the two out, put them on the couch together, and they full started, like, um, attacking each other, like, violent. These things are violent, hey? Wow. And anyway, so I, I, uh, I, I get my hand and um, go to grab my rat to pull one away, and the other rat has just latched onto my wrist. I've actually got a scar here. You're kidding. You've got a rat scar on your wrist. Yeah. Are you serious? Oh, there is too, yeah. Oh, show me, show me, show me. Jeez. Just there. Can you wow. Oh, where? Yeah. Oh, there jacket is. is not flat. <laughs> <laughs> is that better? I, I seen it. I seen it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it full latched onto my arm and dug right into me, and um, it was deep. So like, I got up and my my arm was literally just pouring out blood. And so anyway, I went to the doctor and they gave it a quick wipe over and stitched it up. Uh, and they shouldn't have done that. I've since learnt because the next morning my arm. Literally Blew looks up. like a football. Yeah. Oh. Like literally the size oh, right. of a football. I, I kid you not, septicemia is not something to fuck with. Mm. Like <sighs> absolutely not. My, so, like I said, my elbow was like my knee. Yeah. And went to hospital and they said, you're very lucky you're here now. Like um, based <clears> on how quick it had happened, they're like probably another um, four hours, my arm would have had to have been amputated. Oh, and shit. They said, if you left this another day, you could very well have died. The temperatures what? that your body goes to you start mm. hitting between 39 and 40, which is technically you, you're in trouble. Mm. You are literally in trouble. And the whole idea of it was to, to bring that down. So for me, I needed to have an operation. They had to um, scrape out all the bone and fragment and then they had to remove my beside sac. Um, so I couldn't get on a plane to go to Royal Adelaide uh, from Sejuna until my temperatures were stable. So that was three, three and a half days and they finally decided to – fly me down to Royal Adelaide. Uh, I got down there and they, they'd operated on me and I ended up with 36 stitches um, and the doctor just said, mate, look, I'm really sorry, the ride's over. And I, you know, I said, no. He said, no, you, you, you're done. I said, no. So I said, well, when do I go on orals? Because I was still on injections for um, antibiotics and stuff. He said, oh, tomorrow. I said, well, tomorrow and then you bring me a release form. I'm going to sign it and I'm leaving the hospital. He said, mate, I advise you against it. Had a plane ticket booked, signed myself out. Took uh, a few boxes of endones and some uh, <laughs> some uh, antibiotics. And, yeah, I flew back to Sejuna, jumped straight on the bike um, exactly where we stopped it. And I rode um, – t- I took 2,000 2, – or just over 2,000 kilometres to get there. And I rode um, 2,500 kilometres just over um, in, yeah, 11 days. 
Wow. Far out. I, I struggled to ride three kilometres in uh, now. Look, it was um, it was just amazing. It was because it just proved that, you know, no matter what you do in life, if you put your mind to it, your body will follow. Surgery mid-ride yeah. across the country. Mm. Wow. Yep. And uh, it was, you know, Channel 7 had sort of got on it and it was, you know, all, all news stories and if you Google it, it's there. So it was covered and, and, you know, the ride was completely documented and, you know, the ride was GPSed all the way. So you couldn't shortcut it. There was nothing you could do. So everything that um, was done had to be publicly put out there because, I mean, shit, how do I go from Sejuna to Royal Adelaide Hospital in the city of Adelaide, which is a flame flight. A flame flight. A flame, yeah, oh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping I sidestepped that one. <laughs> like um, Kevin, I was like, nah, he's put I'm me in the bin. Up. He's got me good. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah try again. Got yeah. me. Start that story again. A Ready, go. A plane, a plane, a plane, a plane f- 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 flight. So, paint flight. <laughs> That's what it was. It was a pain. It was a pain flight. A fucking flight, fucking pain. Got back on the bike. Are we still talking about the same story? (laughs) 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 Trying to get over the pain flight. (laughs) (laughs) What happened to Justin? Did he just stay put for a few days? Yeah, Justin. What about Justin? Funny story. So Justin just got himself a fishing rod and fucking (laughs) fish. Ended up meeting a lot of the um, the local indigenous community, which were absolutely fantastic because they got a little bit of wind of why were there, which is very strong. Sejuna is a very small place. Um, and if you're hanging around in there, you know, people start to pick up on what's going on. We're pulling mm. a big caravan with a big sign riding on it, you know, the Heavy Hitters Foundation and Cycle for Mental Health. And then, you know, it become a thing in the town. What are these people here? And mind, he was on the side of the road now for, you know, nearly a week. Um, so people want to know. And, and the community was great. They embraced it. Um, they knew we were there to obviously spread the word between country and community. And, and because, you know, Indigenous um, rates of suicide are phenomenal. So that was a major part of also connecting with culture and country all the way across and receiving, you know, the right of way from all uh, elders and, and um, communities and country that we did cross. So for him, it was a very powerful experience because he got to really connect with some um, amazing things, go fishing, and, and that's pretty well what he did. So you're in hospital Listen, half dying and he's just yeah, catching but a few Yeah, let's be honest. Any bloke that can sit in a car 30 k's an hour with a blink of He deserves a, he blink, deserves blink, a fish. Blink, blink. That was probably his favourite part of the trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your highlight of Brent's uh, cycling? Oh, the, the fishing. Yeah. there. Yeah, the days he wasn't there. The fishing oh, was mate. pretty good. And he loved his food. He just loved to eat. So every night we stopped because I was eating like a horse, you know what I mean? The amount of calories that I was burning. Even though I wasn't losing weight I was maintaining it and mm. my, you know my legs blew right out and you know my body was a lot of fluid because of the operation and everything mm. so I finished the ride quite heavy from what I was but <laughs> he ate well he was just a skinny little bloke that ended up putting a few <laughs> kegs on himself <laughs> by the end of the trip that was good but it was good and then I um, chose to do Tassie um, another ride and I rode around Tassie in eight days in 2017 to raise awareness for the highest youth suicide rate per capita yeah, well. What's um, next? Is there another one coming? Oh, mate, I, I, I'm just happy being me at the moment. But to be honest with you, I've got a daughter who was born vision impaired with congenital motor nystagmus syndrome. Um, and it's funny, Jane and I were just talking about it today. I'd love to do an informative documentary on what it's like to live with nystagmus. My daughter's 14 and it's uh, at a stage now where she could actually speak of what she lives with on a daily basis and, mm. and share it with the world. There's She's one of... Uh, in 2,000 students, uh, the only person. So that gives you a bit of an indication of how common it is. People aren't aware of it and they don't know how to really deal with it. She doesn't want to be, oh, poor, sorry, and all this sort of stuff, you know. She just um, now and again needs a buddy to sort of help her with directions. And they say that, you know, people that are handicapped adapt and, oh, mate, 
you know, she's she's in um, school with a um, uh, like a scholarship sort of thing for her music, and uh, she's an amazing young woman. So I would love to um, be able to share with the world what it's like for a young woman. She's created a little thing called the Wobbly Eye Girl, um, and we want to build on that, and we want to yeah come up with some sort of creative documentary that we can share to the world. And I'd like to do a bit of an awareness. Uh, Run. I had a work accident a couple of years ago that I had to stop everything. I was fighting Muay Thai, super heavyweight. I'd done half Ironmans. I, I love endurance events and everything stopped. I couldn't walk for four and a half months and um, I've had, you know, three back operations from my L5 to my S1. So it's been very tough for me to try and come back from that, but I'd love to be able to do it and it would be very painful, but do a 24-hour event where I, for example, would run a half marathon over 24 hours and then turn around and cycle back a half marathon, so 21Ks, 21Ks, and do it nonstop for 24 hours. Wow. Just, just not for money. I don't want any – I'm not raising money. I don't want to know about money. I think when money comes into any fundraising, it just causes so much conflict and people just it, – it's just got a bad stigma to it. I want people to stop and have a conversation. I want, you know, yeah. people to see a documentary that hopefully we can put together um, and deliver so people understand it and, and yeah, we can and create some sort of awareness. Yeah, that's unreal. I do have to ask, at the end of the cycle trip, did you jump on a plane or did you drive back with Justin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happened to Justin? No, good enough. So, um, the Justin's wonderful... now living in Perth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justin would like to be living in Perth. Actually, I'd like to know how Justin is today. Um, he's gone a bit AWOL, the poor bloke, and, you know, I hope that he's well. So, if you're watching this, mate, I send out my absolute uh, love and respect and hope you're doing good. But uh, Paul Goldfinch from um, the GoTo People, a, a great employment agency that sponsored the ride, um, flew, flew my wife over. It was my 40th birthday while I was on the road. So they put us up at um, Cottesloe and, and, you know, we had a couple of days around Perth and we had a beautiful celebration over there. And, um, look, it was really good and, and they were great. They flew us all home. So, you know, and, and even in that, they flew my wife to Adelaide when I was in hospital and, like, they're just – they were amazing people. So, yeah, the go-to people was something very special and made it all very comfortable in the end. But – I wasn't fucking, there was no way I was coming back in a car. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> no way. Jump on the bike, ride back. <laughs> well, since then I've driven it, been a long haul truck driver too. You know, I was. That's right, up, yeah. Yeah, up until Are you Christmas. still doing that? No, I'm working local for a company now um, and obviously working on other projects closer to home, but um, the kids are getting a bit older and for me it's, it's more rewarding to be home, not so much for the money, but for their everyday, you know, connection and events and sporting and, and just being present as a father. I missed out on so much of that with my bad choices with my oldest son, who's now 22, uh, and a very he's a very successful young man in what he's doing. But, um, you know, I don't think that I was the best father at that stage. I um, think that's actually a massive takeaway from what I've learned from you is after being in a position where you probably would have had an unlimited amount of money, partying, just do whatever you want, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, none of that really matters and it comes no. back to being able to spend that time with your family and the people that you love. And Look, you can't, you can never ever replace time. Once mm. it's gone, it's gone. This minute right now has moved. We're not, you know, it's gone. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about life, um, memories and, you know, being present, I mean, it's something that I think now I can say. I mean, I, I don't regret it because I am who I am today. I don't really, I don't really regret anything. You know, the one of the hardest things were not seeing my, one of my four children born because I can never have that conversation with him on mm. his birthday or remember that moment. And <clears throat> yeah, that hits me every time. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really tough one to swallow. 
outside of that, it, you know, I am who I am because of the path that I've walked and I wouldn't have been able to do the things that I love doing and be here today, you know, had I chosen any other way. So along with, um, you know, it's like jumping in the ring, you know, when you fight, you don't win every fight as much as we want to. But do you put it down as a loss? You put it down as a lesson. I think that's what I've had to do. How hard was it when, um, when you f- first got out and made all these changes? Did you go through a process? What, how, how did you take the first step to say, hey, I'm going to do this, which should hopefully help me? Or Look, did you I, just- it was fucking hard. I, everyone was against me. I mean, my wife um, and my in-laws were the only people really that believed in what I was wanting to do, you know? I mean... Everyone that knew me was like, oh, Simo's back on the street. You know, even when I did the ride, the amount of fucking naysayers and haters that were out there, oh, yeah, it's just a rot, you know, what's he doing? He's going to rob charity. You know, just shit talking me. Mm. And it gave me so much motivation to strive to make sure that no matter what I was going to complete this, I had it all legitimately logged, documented, and, and you know what? Fuck yous out there. You know, that was my whole attitude. And when I finished and I dived into the ocean at Cottesloe Beach, the first thing I did was just look up and go, I won. You know what I mean? Like I won for something in my life. I don't have a trade. I don't have anything to fall back on in life. You know, I, I, life's been what it has been. You know, it's in the latter part of my life I've been able to establish some sort of normality, um, whether it be, you know, interstate truck driver or, you know, um, working on a podcast. All these good things, um, they've come at a later stage in my life. So there's a lot of, lot of time there that, like I said, it's gone. Mm. Uh, so when I got that moment to embrace it and realise that I successfully did this, I chose to do this and I did it and, you know, it was for good and it felt great. Yeah. Do you feel like um, the fact that you have that story is you're able to help people in similar situations? Because your podcast is pretty much based – what is your podcast? It's pretty much um, all – It's stories of redemption. Stories so, of redemption, yeah. Yeah, so it's based on people's hardships, you know. Like we, we've got some amazing guests. We're into our fifth episode coming up next week. Um, we run fifth ten – season? Sorry, fifth. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> Sets, hit the button. That's the second <laughs> correction. <laughs> we're episode three here. He did his homework, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We're going into season five, and um, episode forty-nine, uh, forty-eight uh, will drop next week. Episode forty-seven dropped today. Yeah. So, what made you start the podcast? I look. I, I was in a truck, um, and a good mate of mine, uh, Willem. Uh, turn around and we were in communication with each other and I was going through some dark times. It was during COVID. Um, I was running East Coast and then I was running, you know, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide. I went from driving remote um, around Australia doing about 18,000 kilometres every four weeks to literally run an express freight and it just chewed me up. I become mentally very uh, unwell due to fatigue and I had a really dark um, period there where I, I was really over everything and just was ready to throw a rope over the back of the trailer. Um, I'd spoken to Willem in that time we spoke, you know, regularly and um, to his credit, he said, mate, he said, we've got to get you out of that. What, what, what can we do? He goes, I know what we can do. He goes, why don't you just start a podcast? You know, you, you're really good with people. You interact well. You enjoy helping people. I said, you know what? I can't afford it. I can't do it. You know, this, and then just sort of eliminate all the can'ts and we just went, right, well, we can make this happen. Long and short of it all, I come up with this. I was driving the truck one day and I said, oh, yeah, boob, you know, boob, jail, jail, down the clink. Ah, oh, you old pinch, you're in the clink. And I went, fuck, there you go, the clink, the clink. You know what I mean? It just, it, it just was what it was and I sort of went, that's it. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, what can we do as a positive spin off that? Well, 
stories of redemption because everybody's the first to sit down and put shit on somebody that makes a mistake. Mm. But not many people are willing to sit down and listen to the story of people who make change. Unless you're a celebrity that's had a bad coke fucking habit or, you know, you got on the oxies or something, then all of a sudden everyone sees you fall off the face of the earth. But, you know, to someone that's like a, a bank robber, for example, um, you know, like uh, Russell Manser is, is a man, an Australian man who was a heroin addict, a bank robber, um, did over 20 years jail and he's helped thousands and thousands of people. He started an organisation which I work with as well, which is the voice of a survivor. And I'm not saying this just as a plug. This is a fact. He's also on the seasons. Um, episode two, I think it is, of season one. And, you know, this is a man that lost his – he was raped in jail as a young boy. He was 17 years old, thrown in jail. He was forced his first shot of heroin, became an addict, um, spent 21 years in and out of jail as an escapee and a bank robber. I, he was against all odds. And, you know, he, he today helps thousands and thousands of people. And, mate, what a powerful story of redemption, you know. Mm. And there's many more. The clink's not all about people that have gone to jail. I've got solicitors on there. I've got athletes on there. Um, you know, I've got people with just true stories. This season at the moment is dedicated to inspiring women um, with amazing stories of redemption and there's some truly That was uh, that powerful. what you were showing us the other day, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's insane. We should definitely play I, some I, of I really you. feel that, you know, like you, you really should because – I think a lot of your viewers out there, you know, uh, could could well connect with some of this because it, it's traumatic. It's. I'll tell you, I've listened to the podcast heavy. and like some of these stories is insane. It's actually a really good listen for anyone out. This is a plug for you, bro. Oh, <laughs> the clean actually, stories yeah. of redemption. It's actually a really good podcast. Like some some of the like the story about the guy who escaped jail, where like he, he yeah, had John the, the, he had the helicopter fly over and he ran and jumped on a bit of yeah. rope and flew it out. I was it just is. like, you listen to wait, it. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, that's how insane these stories are on the podcast. And, and I'm the only one in Australia or anywhere actually that's having that has these podcasts directly one-on-one -on -one with these guests. Like everybody else that writes books about them or third-hand or he's or he says, she says. There's plenty of stories getting out there around that. This is coming from them. I have them directly there sharing their story. And, and you know, Bernie Matthews is another one. Bernie mm. Matthews. Is a bank robber? Or? Yeah, he was a bank robber at Grafton that was just beaten and beaten yeah. and beaten and beaten in the old um, squad back in the day out of Grafton jail. And... Um, it was horrific what they went through and how he survived it. Most of, most of the men that were on that run, they were called the intractables because they were prison escapees and no one could hold them down. Um, so they were put basically in a unit that was a disciplinary unit. They weren't allowed to speak. They weren't allowed to look anywhere but down. And they literally had a tin fucking bucket to shit and piss in. Like it, was, it was just terrible the way they were treated. Was like this all at Grafton? Yeah. So, you know, the history that's there and, and the stories that I've been blessed to be able to um, connect with and deliver to people and then off the back of it, deliver their story of redemption. You're talking about, you know, accredited award-winning, like a Wakely Awarding Journalist Award for, for him, you know what I mean? Um, uh, Russell Mansell, as I said, you know, like stories of redemption, um, sorry, his story of redemption being voice of a survivor, you know, helping thousands of institutionally abused survivors um, to seek compensation and also justice. Um, you've got, you know, John Killick, who's written books uh, out there helping a lot of people. And, and there's many, many more. I mean, I could sit here and I've got, like I said, there's, there's football stars, there's surfers, there's boxers, the Maloney twins have been on there. And everybody's got a powerful story of where they come from. Barry Hall's another one, the greatest AFL player as far as I'm concerned of all time, you know, like the Swans' greatest player. Um, you know, he, he's been on there and, and 
it's nice to know where these great people come from. Come from, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's been ins- it's just insane. Listen, I, you can't even believe half the time what you, when you listen to it, you're just like, did this really happen? You're trying to picture yeah. it. Like the guy, video? so the, the helicopter one, I'll just tell you this short story, like long story, real short. The guy's miss, was it his girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, yep. Fully uh, pulled a gun on the helicopter to a ride. To, to do it. You explain yeah, that did. story a little bit further. Yeah, so she took a pilot hostage and flew it over the um, maximum security yard here at wow. Silverwater Prison and uh, basically landed the chopper. He escaped whilst being shot at. The, the, the chopper was shot literally um, whilst they were escaping. They had to land it elsewhere. And, oh, mate, it was huge. huge. Yeah, well, it's, it's the only one in Australia that's ever done it. And you're listening to that from him as he speaks and you're yeah, like, whoa. It's phenomenal. What happened to him afterwards? Did he get caught? On the oh, run. On the run for yeah. a long, long time. But yeah. yeah. And and I won't go into too much. No one has seen him since except on the Clink podcast. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you go and listen on the Clink, which I'm, I'm going to savour a lot of it because now there's curiosity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go listen to it. But he's fucking funny. In, and he talks about, you know, with the Clink, we don't, because, you know, you've got to respect to there's, there's victims out there of oh, crime, yeah, you know, and we don't glorify anybody's crimes. Um, it is about stories of redemption, but you don't have a story of redemption without a fuck up. And, you know, if you're going to be honest and you're going to talk about this and, and let people know the true stories because the media talk about it and you can go through and listen to all the media stories and there's a twist on every story to how that writer writes it. This is direct from the source, you yeah. know. So there's, there is some funny stories on there and you've got you've to you've see the humour in some of them. You're now working on a new venture as well, which is how we first met the other day. We were bring it on, bring over. it, yeah. bring it on. <laughs> Here's something to put, he's Come prepared on. earlier. Intern Tamo, let's go. Producer Joy, you'd fired. Yeah. <sighs> you just keep sitting there doing nothing, mate. Are you looking for your relief? <laughs> Wait, hey, look, what? Producer Joy looks so angry right now. It looks like there's something wrong with him. What's up, Joy? Do you want some relief? <laughs> <laughs> you should direct this ad oh, to Joy. Oh, Joy. We can help you in all this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but on a serious note, I look, when I, as I said earlier, I had a severe back injury from work accident, which um, prevented me from doing a lot of things. And I had a real big problem at one stage there, just from pain management with um, opioids. Wasn't good for me at all. Um, and, you know, I needed to get away from it. And a lady once said to me, and at this stage it was – a bit different. It wasn't spoken about as much. Everything was a bit hush-hush. And she said, look, I want you to try this CBD. I said, no, I don't touch, I don't smoke weed. And she said, what are you talking about? It's CBD. I said, no, 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 I don't want it. I don't, I don't like that feeling of being stoned. I'll wig out. She said, Brent, do you trust? I said, yeah. She said, you are not going to get stoned. Like, I don't want it. She said, it'll help you. I said, all right, I'll try it. She goes, open your mouth. It's not going out of my tongue. Next thing, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm feeling like I was just good. I was happy I wasn't stoned at that time because I was just like wigging out, you know, like I didn't like that feeling. Um, and then, yeah, it was CBD. Today, uh, we've moved forward massively. This is a few years ago. So now we're, we've, we've educated a lot more um, to what cannabinoid oil is. And, and, you know, no, it doesn't get you stoned. And, you know, the THC in it is micro. I think it's 0.03, um, which, you know, that's a scientific sort of connection to yeah. say that it's, it's a part of the plant, but it's not, there's none yeah. in there to get you stoned. And uh, myself and a business partner have um, invested in a new product, which is a full spectrum uh, CBD oil, which is uh, a premium product. And we're doing 1500 milligram and 3000 milligram at the moment. We are looking into um, topical creams as well, which is really, really big uh, for injury and recovery and just all, all day wellness. So it's something that we're very excited about and uh, we're hoping to launch 
in the next seven to ten days. We're just waiting on uh, the finalisation of our website. Which means yeah, our which content. is uh, was that a when we're not doing full time podcasts, we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, believe that they'll be launching in three weeks, guys. Might be, yeah. <laughs> might be helping you with his trend. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, should we actually talk about the fact that we haven't even advertised our own product on the show yet, and we've just given it to someone else? Do we have a product? No, <laughs> we don't even have a product. That's but. If we did, we Why would have it. I'll tell you, <laughs> what, I'll, tell you what, I'll sponsor you guys a couple of bottles to try. And, um, you know, if you've got anybody out there that connects with you and wants to try it, then I'll throw in a couple extra bottles and we'll, um, we'll get it out to the listeners and the viewers. And Yeah. There you go. It. But for those that actually... Um, that deserves it, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Producer Jai and intern Tamar both <laughs> just chucked their hands up. <laughs> but I, I, I now, in, in saying that, um, I, you know, I, I don't like the stone... I, since educating myself, I'm actually pharmaceutical. Start again. Medically hey, approved to use. Um, Start again. I am medically approved One more these days. Fuck off. <laughs> 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 oh, here, here I am thinking it's me and it's him. Shit, I'm fucking medically approved to get stoned. Is that all right? <laughs> I can now legally get stoned. And you know what? I like it. But no, it doesn't come from this. I mean, that's a totally different ball game. But I, I look, all from a government point of view, I think it's fantastic what the government is starting to look at as a natural resource, you know, to getting people away from opioid addictions, um, helping people with cancer and stuff like that. It, it is a massive plus in people's lives. Um, and that's not just me saying it because that's, that's the product that, you know, we're, we're now putting on the shelves. That's coming from um, people themselves, you know. We had that opportunity this morning to go and speak face-to-face with people and mm. hear people's genuine or, or, or organic stories about yeah. what CBD has done to help them. I think um, usually as well, Brent, on the show we bring up a, a, some form of game to play with people oh, and um, Justin's come up with one this week. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 I am not <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Oh, shit. All right, we're going to play a quick game where we jump on your Instagram. Is this recording? Oh, is this recording? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Oh, lucky. So we are on your- I'm a little bit nervous about this Instagram, one. On your Instagram. And what we're going to do, we're going to do a quick scroll for- uh, We're going to do it for 10 seconds today. I'm going to put my finger on one particular photo and you've got to tell us the story. Let's what get a bit of background it. music and I'll count the 10 oh, on my intro, intro to the segment. <laughs> yeah. that, was no, definitely, got, that was the wrong button. We've got a song. Intro song. All right, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six. This is like 10 seconds. Eight. Feel like this is nine. Hand ten. <laughs> oh, that's a rip that's off. Oh, what's head? the story? What is the story here? Yes. Let's get so, it in the face. Yeah, explain the fight. Well, actually, I, I actually this. won the fight. I kid you not. I won that fight. Like, it doesn't look good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> read read the fucking good. post. All right. The caption is: In six days, I will be fighting a big fight. This fight here, I got some big hits and still overcome them and won the fight. I just pray to God on Monday that I can go in. For the, uh, go in, fight hard. Josh, can you just read this properly so that people can hear things? No, I'm just saying hashtag <laughs> as well. Hashtag Big Mountain, hashtag ahead, hashtag, hashtag judgment day, hashtag fighting, hashtag for freedom, hashtag for you, Paige. I'm not sure what was more no. painful, that punch or that <laughs> listening to you talk just now. <laughs> and, and I'm going to be honest with you. Excuse me, Jed. We just need to hear the story. <laughs> All right. Okay, Sorry. so let me look at that date. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay, so I got dragged through a couple of years ago. There was a scandal in the NRL. 
with um, Gold Coast Rugby League Club. So I'll just say that, yeah, mm. so we don't drag. Anyway, it went on for a couple of years and it was to do with the supply of cocaine and players and all this sort of shit. Um, I got dragged into it through somebody connecting with me via a text message or a phone call, which made me look like a major part of it. And once everybody had been through commissions and all this sort of stuff, it was nearly 18 months later, they decided to arrest me. My fight that I had before that, I literally, uh, sorry, that fight, I'd just come off out of the ring. I'd won the fight. I'd been given a trophy. My son was there, walked out of the ring and um, I looked and I didn't even get back to the dressing sheds. You know, my son's holding my hand. We're, we're, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great night. Very proud and um, I was surrounded by police and arrested for um, commercial supply. Were these guys there watching? So when you go to a fight, obviously, especially when, you know, they know that it's someone with a history and known, there's generally a lot of extra police. So for me, it was nothing out of the ordinary to walk out, you know what I mean, um, and start to see that there were police present. The biggest thing was I didn't realise they were there for me and I did sort of look around and I had a lot of sort of mates and friends turn up. I mean, there was a big crowd, huge crowd and, and it, was, it, was, it was packed. I, um, I sort of looked around, I just thought, oh, yeah, yes, woohoo, you know, there's plenty of coppers here. But there was more coppers there. There was undercover coppers, there was coppers, there was, it, was, it was full on. And, you know, like, I just fought a, a great fight with a great uh, opponent, you know, and, and we'd sort of just, you know, got my hand raised for the win, which was an even better feeling. Come out of the ring and I had my trophy and my young son, you know, ran up to the ring and met me, you know. So it was a very, very proud moment because, yeah. you know, that is my, a big son, moment. my son fought Muay Thai since he was very young. He's now 11 and, um, you know, to have him watch his dad win, you know, there. And I never, ever took my kids to the fights before that because of just bad things that can happen, especially when it's people a, are on the piss. It's piece. a big moment there too. Like it I've is. had my cousin fights, as, as you know, Gemma. And yeah. After the fight, it is like... Yeah, well, Gem's a legend. She was there. She, oh, really? Well, we were in the same gym back then. We yeah, right. mentioned in the same gym, but... Um, and then, yeah, like that moment after a fight, the emotions are real high because, like, you just came off a fight, watching a fight live, especially when it's someone that you know or care about, like, your emotions are so high and you're, like, watching it so closely. And then behind, once the fight's over, it's like you almost want to cry. Even if you've won, you won, when they're walking off, you almost want to cry. It's like, overwhelming. Fuck. It's a massive, over, like, overwhelming feeling. So it to, is. And when to you're go walking from, out and you've literally got your, san- your son holding your trophy and you're holding his hand and everybody's like, yeah, you know, and you're walking back to the thing. I get into the change rooms and that was it. I just can't just went, what It that went from like, like colourful bright to just black and grey. And was I, it a big? They put on a public. Oh display no, they, they were fucking. Cr- and, and the worst part about it was one of the promoters knew damn well this was going to happen, and I'll Your never, shit. I'll never ever fucking forgive her for this. But anyway, that's just another story. So um, yeah, right. So yeah, knew. I'm not going to name and shame, but yeah, they definitely fucking knew that something wasn't right, and they let me go out there and fight, and then come back in the sheds. I, I walked out and I said to the cops, I said, "Don't do this." Don't do this in front of my son. You know, like literally, they were they were adamant that I wasn't going home. They were arresting me, and I said, "You just don't do it in front of my kid." And you know, my wife came in. I said, "Babe, just take him, go jump in the car." And you know, my young fellow's like, "Dad, what's going on? What's going on?" You're kidding. I hadn't had a shower. I had nothing. So they've arrested me. Like, just come out barefoot in my fucking Muay Thai shorts. You know, I threw a t-shirt on, stunk, sweat, oil, the whole you know lot. You know, and. Um, it, was, it wasn't good, you know, to then sort of leave in a paddy wagon, took mm. away, you know, what should have been a really joyous night and uh, a celebratory night, you know, for us all, for the gym, for, for us. And Did they let you shower or just... No, st- got, no, no. Really? They just locked me up, threw me in a cell and uh, that was it. So... Jeez. It was a very tough, a tough thing to have your family there and, and to witness that. 
Um, and I, look, I mean, I'm sure that's happened to other people out there all around the world, but, you know, to, to, to go into something that you're feeling so good about and you put your everything into it to get a win and to come out and literally know that people knew that they were there to arrest you and no one said anything. No one gave yeah. the heads up, nothing. Mm. Let you fight. Bit of a shit go. But anyway, that was then. And, um, it, yeah, it happened. And, and it's something that, you know, unfortunately sticks in my mind. What a, what a, uh, what a story to – what a picture to stop on for what's the story. Yeah, yeah I can't believe you hit that one. Can we one do another one? Can we do another <laughs> one? What else have we got here? I, I, yeah, that was, that was like a punch in the head, basically, wow. reading that again. That was, that was and so fun. that caption is relating to – Relating to the court case that I had to go and fight in the district court to wow. prove that, yeah, the, the allegations weren't, weren't true, that, you know, these text messages were referring to um, selling kilos of coke, basically. Look, I, I, it had been a tough time because, you know, I had no idea that I was wanted over these matters. And I'd been overseas and I'd come back and, you know, I finished my parole and everything. And everybody... This is, this is long after... Well, this is in the media, you know, like yeah. when, when the scandal went down and the media jumped all over it and all the players and everything. And it was, it was done and dusted, you know. The last, the last person had gone to court and all this time later... I had a warrant for my arrest. And I was like, how the fuck can I be arrested when I had nothing to do with it? Mm. Long and short of it all, um, yeah, they tried to say that our conversation, which it didn't, related to the supply of amounts of um, kilos of cocaine and cash. Well, it wasn't the case. But that's, that's how it was. So I had to go through the process then of looking at possible years in jail again, especially coming off the back of a six-year sentence. Wow. Um, but mm. for once in my life, it, was, um, it worked in my favour and not, not from anything other than just it wasn't about what they were saying that these messages were about. Wow. This, this is going to be hard to back up. But no, we... I, think, uh, I think we wrap up that uh, entire... Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, anyway, thanks very much for having me now. Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> He's that keen to get out of here. Eh? No. My, no. Balls, my balls are sweating, but I use Manscaped <laughs> products. And I'll like... tell you what, my balls smell like roses. <laughs> Don't you reckon it's like, I've had better days in prison than being on this podcast with you cunts. Because uh, in prison you can't drink vodka. <laughs> oh, soda and water. Oh. Oh, vodka soda. Yeah, what else is This guy's a walking billboard, honestly. <laughs> hey, listen. Coming from influencers. Oh, don't use that one. Matt. <laughs> Thank you for watching, everybody. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Mate, absolute pleasure. We... You have to play See, the this whole. This is the outro song again. We've got another. It's like yeah, we try to say goodbye, pretty... but now we've got a minute to like. Yeah. Well, mine's the same. Hey, listen, I wish you nothing but greatness with this. It's an, a fantastic show, and um, it's a real honour. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks on. for coming on the show, mate. We've got some. Uh, really, we've got really some exciting good. stuff. We're, we're doing some stuff later this week. As well. Do you just have like a giveaway bag when you leave? Like, do you get all yep, people yep, to make yep, a goodies uh, bag that's or something? Also, you know? something else that Justin prepared. No, like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't just come hey, here to walk out phone, of here empty-handed. Like, I, I swear, I got it. Thanks very much, guys. <laughs> no, no, the song's still going. You can't leave yet. Oh, really? Yeah. When when does this become acceptable to like stop? All right, here you ready? Cut it out. Now nah, that's the that's when the crowd comes in. <laughs> Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Cheers.